Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 302, entitled... Eric Karkovac on the merits of canonical plugins in WordPress. It was published on Thursday, the 3rd of November, 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and before we get stuck into the podcast, a few bits of housekeeping. It's November, Black Friday is, well, sort of just around the corner towards the end of this month, and WP Builds has got you covered completely for WordPress and Black Friday. Head over to the ever-so-difficult-to-remember URL, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. Let me say that one more time, wpbuilds.com forward slash black, and over there you will find a searchable, filterable list of all of the products that we've been notified about coming up for WP's Black Friday. If you're interested in putting a product on there, there's a blue button on the page. It says, add your product or something like that and fill out the form and we'll get it on that page as soon as possible should it fit the requirements of being a WordPress specific thing. If you'd like to sponsor that page, there are some sponsored slots along the top as well and the page gets quite a lot of traffic before Black Friday. So have a look at that if you've got a product in the WordPress space. The other thing to mention is that we've got an awards page. It's wpbuilds.com forward slash awards. It's a bit of a silly thing, really. It's all about getting money raised for Big Orange Heart. You donate $20 or more to Big Orange Heart, and I will put you on that awards page and guarantee that you win a particular section. Like I say, bit of fun, wpbuilds.com forward slash awards. The other thing to say is that WP Builds has got a Mastodon install. It's a little bit like Twitter, and over the last week or so, since we had the announcement that Twitter had been acquired, a few people have joined over there wanting to separate themselves from Twitter. The URL for that is wpbuilds.social. Yeah, it's a URL. wpbuilds.social. Sign up, I'll get you approved, and then you can have a... Well, a free open source piece of software called Mastodon running the whole thing. The timeline is completely chronological. There's no algorithm putting things in front of you. It's just totally chronological. And you can block whoever you like or accept connections from whoever you like. And the best bit, there's no ads. So that's really nice. WPBuilds.social. The last thing to mention just before we start is the fact that on this week in WordPress this week, it was the 31st of October, a.k.a. Halloween, we had a little bit of a surprise. Michelle Frechette joined us and she dressed up as me in somewhat of a surprise. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can find that on our archive. It's actually on the homepage of wpbuilds.com. You'll notice that there's an icon there with four faces that have been altered into, of all things, pumpkins. (laughs) pumpkins. <laughs> Go and check it out. It was well worth it. And I thank Michelle Frechette for being such a good sport. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients, 
and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to the uniquely crafted URL go.me forward slash WP builds. That's go.me forward slash WP builds. And we really do sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. They make the whole thing possible. Okay, let's get stuck into the main event, shall we? The podcast, that's what you're here for. Today, I have Eric Karkovac. Eric Karkovac has been in the WordPress space for many, many years. And today we talk about two different subjects. We talk about the fact that in WordPress 6.1, which is very soon to be released, it may even have been released, they pulled support for WebP. Now, you may have come across WebP images. If not, we talk about what they are, and we also talk about what the benefit for them is. But then we talk about why native support for them has been pulled. What were the decisions there? Was there any conspiracy going on? Is this a strange decision, a sensible decision? Is this something that we can leave until later? And then in the second half of the podcast, we talk about this interesting idea of canonical plugins. This idea has been floated that a subset of the plugins in the WordPress repository would be called canonical plugins. They're in effect the kind of things that could have gone into core, WordPress core, but it's been decided that they're best as a canonical plugin. The benefit of that is if you use a canonical plugin, you would know that it was really tightly integrated with WordPress, checked against all major releases, up-to-date, secure, etc., etc., but you wouldn't need to necessarily have them in your website, although the functionality would be more or less guaranteed to work. So that's the second subject. It's a really interesting chat by a, a very, very intelligent man, and I hope that you enjoy it. I am joined on the podcast today by Eric Karkovac. Hello, Eric. Hi, Nathan. How are you? All right. Really, really good. Now, behind the scenes, Eric and I have had the most shambolic, <laughs> shambolic <laughs> attempt over the last, honestly, what are we at now? I think eight months it's taken us to get this podcast <laughs> recording together. I think Eric was due to come on right at the beginning of 2022. And for various reasons, we haven't been able to connect, you know, family and emergencies and all this kind of stuff. But I am so pleased you finally joined me. Where are you joining us from, Eric? I'm in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, over in the USA. Okay, and just tell us, or tell the audience a little bit about yourself. We're going to talk about the subjects of canonical plugins and WebP images, but uh, yeah, just give us a little bit, of a little bit of a background story. Tell us how it is that you've you've come to be interested in WordPress. Well, I've been uh, a web designer since 1996, um, so back in the days of Netscape and just plain old HTML. Um, I came to WordPress in the late 2000s, late aughts, um, and have been working with it pretty much exclusively for about the last 12 years. And um, along with that, I do some writing for Specky Boy Design Magazine and the WP Minute. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much my life these days. Yeah. So you're, you're a freelancer, are you? You serve clients in and around your local area or globally or? A bit of both. Hmm. You know, I have some clients that are uh, quite remote, um, but you know, mostly centered here in Pennsylvania. Mm. Okay, well, thank you. Certainly, thank you for joining us today. Usually, when we have interviews, there's there's often like a, a product that's being pitched or something like that. You know, a plugin developer comes on and wants to tell us about it, but that's not the case. We're talking about some sort of general WordPress topics, as I alluded to a minute ago. We're going to be talking about 
both canonical plugins and WebP uh, images and how they have been dropped from the most recent version of WordPress, WordPress 6.1. Right at the beginning, I'm going to ask you to potentially pause this podcast and in the show notes, there's going to be a couple of articles linked from the WP Tavern, both written by Sarah Gooding. The first one is uh, from September the 20th. It's called WebP by default pulled from upcoming WordPress 6.1 release. And the second one was on the 12th of September, which was called Matt Mullenweg renews push for canonical plugins. And they are going to be the basis of our conversation today. We'll take them in turn, actually. Let's start with the whole WebP thing. First of all, maybe you could explain what WebP is to our audience because they, they may not even have heard that term before. Yeah, it's uh, WebP is an image format uh, created by Google. As far as I know, it's an open format. Um, and it's has the advantage in most cases of um, maintaining image quality while also keeping the file size lower. So if you had a, a photograph or even a um, an illustration that you would normally save maybe as a PNG file, you could convert it over to WebP and save quite a bit of space and it's still you know, keeps the image looking sharp. Yeah, my understanding was that if you took a JPEG image and then converted it, or, you know, let's say you're in Photoshop or something like that, and you um, export it as a JPEG, and then you export it as a WebP image, typically, obviously, your results may vary. Typically, I think 20% is the kind of number um, in terms of the savings. So which is quite a lot, considering the, the amount of data that photographs and images can take up on your server. But the, the intention up until very recently, just a few days ago, was that WebP was going to become the default um, image format for WordPress. But um, the story that you've linked to that you want to talk about today, well, that all got upended. Are you able to give us some explanation as to what happened there? Yeah, so the proposal initially was to take the images that you upload to your WordPress site and convert them to WebP automatically and serve those files up instead. So if you had a JPEG or a PNG or what have you, that's the format uh, that would be used instead. And so this was going to be an automatic thing. You weren't necessarily going to even notice it as a, as a user or a content creator. Um, but it was uh, a default setting that you would actually, I guess, have to use a code snippet to opt out of uh, rather than having like a just a little checkbox on the media settings screen. Um, so that caused a little bit of controversy. People, I think, didn't necessarily want a uh, that that chosen for them by default. They wanted to you know, have the option to still use the formats that you know, they had specifically saved an image in. Yeah, I can't for the life of me. I mean, I'm going to sit on the fence in this debate and I'm going to try and present it from both directions. But I'm struggling to find a reason why you would wish to say, well, if you upload a JPEG or you upload a PNG file, we are going to convert it. I mean, obviously, I can see that there's benefits in terms of, um, you know, the amount of space that image takes up. So the web becomes a little bit faster. Your pages are served faster. But it does seem like a curious decision to... To compel that, the default version of WordPress will mean that if you upload those images, we're going to convert them to WebP, whether you like it or not. That does seem, well, it seems kind of like not in the spirit of what we're used to in WordPress, where it's kind of, well, you can do what you like. Yeah, I, I know 
part of the performance debate that's been happening for the last year or so has been that, you know, some of the other uh, systems out there, I, I believe either Wix or Squarespace does this with, with WebP, you know, that if, if we all switch to WebP, then WordPress would, as a platform, would be more performant, which I can understand. But yeah, the spirit of WordPress is really build what you want the way you want. And so forcing people to use that image format that they're not necessarily familiar with, um, it, it doesn't seem like a good fit at this time. I, I think it's something that you, you want to make at least optional, uh, something that you know, you'd opt into and say, okay, this is this is what I want for my site because there are plugins that do this now, um, you know, that you can install. So I, why force people to do it? It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So the decision I think ultimately came down to Matt Mullenweg and I'm, I'm going to quote from the article. Sarah in turn is quoting what Matt Mullenweg said. She's, uh, she quotes, I've been reading through all the conversations and issues here. I'm interested in supporting new formats and improving performance, but I think this change being pushed by default, and I presume they're the key words really, to users when they upgrade to 6.1 is a lot for right now, including with some of the clunky interactions OS's still have around WebP files. And I didn't really know uh, too much about that. I've just been hearing for the longest time that WebP images are the future. We all should start using them. I didn't really realize that um, that there were problems with some OSs. And I I really don't even know what what he's alluding to there. Perhaps you do. I know there are some older versions of Safari that do not support WebP. So um, I think part of the talk was in in those cases where WebP is not supported, that you would um, you know replace it with the JPEG or PNG or whatever was originally uploaded. So the the intention there would be to let's say that you upload a JPEG image. In, in what was proposed would be well we'll store the JPEG in the media library, but it'll kind of become invisible to all intents and purposes. But should we find a situation where we've detected that we're on an older version of Safari, it's basically going to display a black hole. Well, actually, no, let's find the the JPEG, which is somewhere stored in the media library, and um, and we'll display that instead. That, that seems like it would have been a fairly decent default. So I guess it really just, the whole debate really falls around the idea that the choice has been taken away, that the default is going to be that it was going to go to WebP instead of JPEG. Yeah, I think that was really the, the biggest part of the issue. Um, and then there's also like the angle that WebP is a Google format and not everyone's comfortable with Google. Um, you know, whether that's more in the conspiracy theory realm or just, the, you know, just basic privacy uh, concerns. Anything with Google is bound to get a little bit of um, controversy, I think. Yeah, there were a couple of people in the comments, weren't there, of this article. I, I noticed that you managed to get the first comment in, so that, that was quite good. <laughs> but um, there were a couple of people in the comments who who made that exact point, you know, that there were, in fact, one of them says, uh, the devs working on it, meaning WebP, are Google-sponsored, and WebP is a format created, developed by Google. Actually, I think he was talking about perhaps the uh, the plugin itself. Sorry, the implementation of this was being worked on, and you know, if they're sponsored by Google and it's a Google file format, I'm struggling to see 
what the issue might be there. You know, whether or not they're... Um, whether or not you believe in those kind of conspiracies. I'm trying to invent a conspiracy <laughs> where the outcome of this would be horrible. So I'm trying to think of a way that Google could sneak something into an open project like WebP, whereby in the future, terrible things could happen. And I I confess it's a lack of imagination, perhaps, on my part. I can't come up with anything which which makes me concerned. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, in my opinion... I believe it's more about a lack of trust. Um, If you remember the whole uh, accelerated mobile pages uh, fiasco, AMP, that that really, I think, lost a lot of um, trust between, you know, Google and the community at large. So I I tend to think that there's still some scars from that um, also, you know, taking place here as well, because I think um, users, you know, once you kind of lose that trust, it's like, okay, there's very unlikely to have any sort of nefarious, you know, motive here, but it's still, it's still Google and people are still going to question it. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of the the constraints that an, an image format may present. I, I, yeah, maybe people have just been burned. And it feels to me as if that kind of love affair with properties like Google and Facebook, which, you know, if you rewind the clock about 10 years, it, it almost felt like they could do no wrong. It didn't matter what they did. It, it all just felt that those companies were just benefit benefiting us all endlessly and then at some point in that intervening decade it feels like a tide has turned and in many ways we're now looking for reasons to trust them and the the default mode is to have a have a lack of trust of these companies and they've got to prove that things are benign so maybe that's where it's coming from here i think you're right i it, i and i do remember those day, early days of facebook and google and you're you know it's a great point um you really felt like, hey, they were changing the world and look at all the great things that are going to come of this. And well, some ways it did, but... Do know, no evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, remember that motto? Don't know if that's oh, yeah. still in use, but um, yeah. So the commentary, I think about 50% of it was, um, oh, that's disappointing. This would have been good. We want WebP images to to take over. And then there were the other people, such as yourself, who said, let's not rush it. Let's just see. I don't think we need to move away from JPEG and so on. There's kind of a a curious comment that came somewhere. and, And it was the idea that in the media library, I can't find that particular comment now, but it, it made me think in the media library, why not just be able to kind of upload all of these image images? And if you choose to have a WebP version or an AVIF version, I'm going to say AVIF, A-V-I-F, which is a different image format and seems to be possibly something that will replace WebP in its time. Um, why not just have an option in the media library to just select which of those you want to be created and then select which one you want to be in your post or whatever it may be and put the choice on the user instead. And I just thought that was quite a nice idea because as soon as it goes into the, the default media library, it just becomes one image really, doesn't it? And you wouldn't you wouldn't know particularly that it's a PNG or it's a JPEG, but having the choice might be quite nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a as someone who builds websites, you know, I, I try to optimize my images. I try to save them at, to be as uh, performant as possible. So, you know, I when I upload to WordPress, I want the choice. If I, you know, if, if WebP 
can save me, you know, 20 kilobytes or, or whatever, that's wonderful. Um, maybe something in the admin can show me the difference. Uh, maybe there's a tool that can compare and uh, let me decide then if I, you know, if it's, if it's worth the conversion or not. But the, you know, the other issue with this is that, you know, WordPress, when you upload a, a, a large image, it makes yeah. basically three other copies. Yeah, which so, you never really get to see, do you? <laughs> Just sort of you don't. It, yeah. You have the thumbnail and the medium size and the large size and the full size. And so if it's doing this for every image, um, you know, you upload a JPEG, you've got four versions of the JPEG, and then you've also got four versions of the WebP file. You know, that's going to be hogging up storage where yeah. it really doesn't need to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The um, the other thing that was mentioned, and one of the commentators actually makes a well, this is quite a compelling point actually, and it, it kind of reinforces what you were saying about let's just wait and slow this down and just see, you know, what what the how the ground is in six months' time. They somebody called Mark said that they tested WebP uh, on their site six months ago. Uh, and they they served everything up as WebP images and had immediate problems. Uh, feedback from users who said that they were using old Macs, presumably that's the Safari connection that you made, who were basically seeing black holes. So, yeah, maybe it's a real thing. You know, if you've got if you've got an older Mac and you can't uh, update that machine or you don't wish to update that machine, potentially you are blocking people uh, if you are only going to WebP. Yeah, that that's definitely a consideration. I mean, if if you, anytime you're you're looking to adopt a new format or even a new you know CSS you know feature, it makes sense to kind of look at your analytics and look at what the support is and see you know make sure you're you're serving the audience that that's been loyal to you. I mean, nobody wants to go to a website where the you know the the nice hero image is just a big black box. Right. <laughs> wouldn't be the, the most uh, efficient way to, to make sales or convert new customers. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this goes. For the moment, it's obviously been pulled uh, to the disappointment of the, the Google-sponsored core committer, Adam Silverstein. He, he was saying that uh, he's still trying to figure out exactly uh, how this can be implemented and how we can make it so that WebP does at some point come become the default. Um, and then let's move on to the next piece because it fits in perfectly with this. The the implication from all of this, and, and I think a lot of people connected the dots here, was that potentially something like WebP could become the domain of something called a canonical plugin. And I'm going to uh, ask you, if you're listening to this, maybe go and read the second piece that I mentioned from the WP Tavern. Do you just want to give us your um, impression of what a canonical plugin is? Because it, this may be a phrase that you know, people have just simply never heard of before. You know, we've got plugins, but well, what's a canonical plugin? Yeah, this one was a bit new to me as well. Mm. Um, but basically, it, it's a plugin that is built by core contributors, from what I understand, of WordPress. Uh, it's meant to be kind of an official extension of the of the core software even though it's not necessarily in core um, like you can think of Gutenberg in that way uh, we still have the Gutenberg plugin and you know the block editor first appeared as a plugin so um, you know we we were able to install that and try it out first and see you know what, what it was all about um, 
it was refined and you know rebuilt from there and eventually merged into core and i think that's kind of the same idea here is where you would have these plugins that um, extend wordpress in some way um, that have the potential to be a core feature but it's not necessarily a guarantee so you're able to add this functionality um, it's well maintained uh, it's tested against the latest versions of wordpress to to uh, you know, ensure that they continue to work, and if it becomes a popular enough feature that someday you know it kind of graduates into core. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. So ever since I've been following WordPress, the premise has always been really keep WordPress core light, lean, and the anecdotal statement. And I've no idea if this is written down and sort of you know canonized anywhere. Is that if eighty percent of the people need it it should be in core so you know if, if just 50 percent of the people need it it's probably not the domain for core it's probably the domain for a plugin this feels to me like that's it's stretching that boundary a little bit and it's basically saying well if it's close to 80 percent but not quite 80 percent you know there's a very strong possibility that this in the future could end up in core well why don't we why don't we ship it as a canonical plugin and and see what the see what the user base makes out of it. Now, some interesting things that come out of this. So you're quite right. It's, it was it, they'd be developed by community members. It says in the post. By the way, I'm quoting from Jen Milo, um, who Sarah Gooding herself is quoting from. And they would, according to this, they would um, represent the most popular functionality requests with superlative execution. They'd be GPL, they'd live in the .org repo, and they would be closely bound to things that, that would be required possibly in WordPress core. Um, the coding standards would be, you know, they'd be monitored and it would be made sure that they were tested prior to um, releasing new versions of WordPress and so on and so forth. But this is where it sort of gets a bit murky for me, or well, murky is the wrong word. It gets a bit interesting, it, and I'll quote. There would be a screen within the plugin section of the WordPress admin to feature these canonical plugins as a kind of editor's choice or verified guarantee. These plugins would be a true extension of core WordPress in terms of compatibility, security, and support. And whilst that sounds really great, you know, I, I, you, on your Android or iPhone, you've got the App Store and similar things like that happen. You get an editor's choice section it does feel like almost strange to hear those words the idea that some plugins would be given sort of special status because of the fact that they are these canonical plugins what are your thoughts on that yeah that is an interesting slope right because you have i mean there could be cases where you have functionality that simply doesn't exist elsewhere or it's just a, a basic extension of what the core, you know, functionality is, and I, I don't think it's it's a necessarily an issue there. But uh, as we were talking about offline, what about you know if it's an SEO plugin? What if it's you know something to compete with uh, advanced custom fields for you know good because custom fields is you know built into WordPress, but not necessarily in a nice visual manner. Um, so there, there is a bit of a slope here. Are you competing against the rest of the ecosystem? You know, how does that make the other developers of those plugins feel? And, you know, long term, you also kind of wonder, well, how are they going to keep up 
um, you know, with maintenance, because I know that was a concern. And also, you know, how do they decide what the, the line is there of what should become a canonical plugin and what is more um, appropriate for the ecosystem at large to handle? Yeah, I, I can see this from two completely contrasting directions. And the first direction I'm thinking of is me the the WordPress website implementer. You know, I, I want to build websites for other people and I want to get my hands on plugins so that I can extend what WordPress does and presumably do that as affordably as possible. From that point of view, this seems like a really fantastic idea. You know, there's now going to be potentially a suite of um, plugins that have been given this editor's choice or whatever status. I know for a fact that they're going to be have been tested with core. So I'm going to be very satisfied from that point of view. I'm not going to hesitate in using them. So all good. Feels great. I've got a load more choices and I'm, I'm really clear about the security posture and that they've been tested and so on. Okay. Then you've got the other side of that coin, which is the, the plugin developer side. You know, the, the person that's built up a business, like you say, maybe it's an SEO plugin or an advanced custom fields type plugin or just something along those lines and if i'm now in competition with a canonical plugin i'm going to feel a little bit i'm going to feel a little bit different about it because i'm going to be competing in what suddenly feels like an unfair marketplace yeah i mean the closest i can think of to this is is that we have you know the block editor and then we still have page builders like elementor or divi or what have you so you know does it get to that point where it's you know um, that you're you're competing with a core feature, or are you basically you know are, are they going to limit themselves to the to the point where it's not going to be a um, a killer of of third party plugins? It's going to be just you know the most basic of enhancements. That's that's where I kind of wonder you know where do they draw that line? Yeah. And I think the WebP thing that we were talking about a moment ago, this this feels like like really solid territory for something like a canonical plugin because I, I can't I can't see a commercial angle in that. So what I mean is if if it becomes a canonical plugin and you just want to say, okay, make every image from now on, make it WebP. Uh, I'll never use the JPEG or the PNG again. I just want to do that. I just can't see any problem with that because you know, I can't see a way to spin that out commercially anyway. But if it was something like um, a canonical SEO solution, which I can imagine the, the the user base of WordPress would be clamoring for, something that was free, had been tested and so on, you know, a fairly robust yet fairly simple SEO solution. Well, then you, you are. You are competing with the likes of Yoast and all the other different players in the SEO market. And that does feel like something that we've not, not dealt with just yet. Yeah, it's it's new territory. That's for sure. I, I, I'll be interested to see, you know, how this gets adopted and, you know, what types of plugins will be available. I mean, my sense is that it's going to, to lean toward things that are just, you know, vying to become a feature in core right but maybe aren't quite ready yet and i know one of the the um, arguments for this type of system was that it would give more development time because right now um i think it's a little bit rushed with with, with the webp example they were you know really going quickly to try and get this into 6.1 before it kind of fell off 
Um, so maybe that allows them to, you know, do things like security enhancements or, you know, just basic stuff that, you know, maybe should take a little bit more time to get right rather than just throwing it into Coral at once. So that's that's my hope anyway, is that they, yeah. they really focus on those type of things. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, at the moment, we're, I think we're either just shy of or maybe we've just crept over 60,000 plugins in the WordPress repository. So they're all, you know, freely available, open source, GPL, all of that good stuff. But also, I think there was a few people in the comments of this post who made the point that, well, the the WordPress repository is is a little bit broken in terms of discoverability, because the the person that made the comment and I can't find it, but it'll be in there somewhere. You know that um, the big players managed to rise to the top um, by by the fact that they've you know they've been in the market for years they've got lots of installs so they get surfaced in that way it may be that there are nefarious ways i don't really know of getting your plugin discovered and so maybe this would short circuit that a little bit and it would break the connection between um discovering things i don't really know yeah that would that would be interesting to see because yeah you're right i mean it's a lot of these plugins that are you know kind of in that the uh, the top echelon on the on the directory, they've been around for years. They have a lot of users. It doesn't necessarily speak to quality. Um, you know, some are very high quality, some may not be. Uh, but as a user, if I'm looking at that, I'm choosing the most popular plugins because hey, that's what everyone else is using. They, all the while, there could be something even better that has come out and has a much smaller user base. But I may never know it because I'm going to have to dig into the repository for several pages before I find it. There was uh, somebody else, and again, a novel idea and, and one that I quite like, and I can't find the comment right now, but I'm going to paraphrase the intention of what they were saying. And I'm this, this really interests me. So let's say that in the future, a couple of years from now, there are, I don't know, 10 canonical plugins that are out there and they're listed in this separate section and, and there they all are and they extend core in a very straightforward way and they probably just do one thing and do it exceedingly well. That's the intention of those things, they're extending core a little bit. What about instead of having them in a separate area where you have to go and download them, what if there was a section in the WordPress admin where in effect you just toggled them on? So in our case, you would go to a, a, a panel, a, a settings area within WordPress core, and let's take the example of WebP. Um, the, you know, the, it would say something along the lines of make all your images um, be converted to WebP. And if you wish to do that, you tick the box, toggle it on, and in the background, it kind of goes and downloads that canonical plugin and uh, installs it for you. But it feels like it's a setting. So it's already a feature of core, but it's not. It's a canonical plugin. I, I thought that was a curious take on it. And in a way, it kind of gets rid of this problem of competition. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, it it, it makes sense. I mean, we've seen that if you've ever installed like a third party theme. Yep. You'll, you'll normally see, you know, these are our recommended plugins that, that go with our theme and they have little, you know, little switch that you can flip on and, and the plugins install for you. This makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if you whether you have it on a separate uh, screen within the admin or it, you know, like with WebP, maybe it's on the media settings screen. Right, right, right. Yeah, that would make sense. And it just feels to me like if it's if it's going to be extending core, 
that feels like the most sensible place for it rather than you having to go out and discover it. I'm also kind of assuming that there would be no overlap. You wouldn't get two canonical plugins doing the WebP thing because that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I, I would assume that it's going to be, you know, kind of the same process that they would have for adding features to core. You know, they have discussions about it and um, make proposals. I, I, I would hope that, you know, they'd have a similar system set up so that we don't have overlap and we don't have overreach either that, you know, we, we do things that, um, you know, may negatively impact security or performance or things like that. You know, make it as simple as possible to to find and use and, you know, not necessarily step on a lot of toes and along the ecosystem. Mm. Um, it says in the quote again from Jay Milo that this these would be community developed and it said a require well I'm just paraphrasing that really it would be multiple developers so we wouldn't just be relying on one person so that you know if somebody stepped away then the development could continue that I suppose is a little bit of an Achilles heel in it in that well I, you know WordPress core itself is largely well I don't know exactly what the percentage is but there's a lot of uh, volunteer time, shall we say, put into it. And it feels like the same is being suggested here. I think there's a couple of pieces here. Firstly, people are going to say, well, you know, wh why are we getting the community to do this separately? If it kind of belongs in core, let's just put it in core. But also uh, the, the sort of the worry, the concern that even if it is multiple people, that they might just you know, walk away from WordPress and and so those things dry up and and it becomes then difficult to keep those things going. That is a that is definitely a concern because you could have a plugin. Let's just say you're running one of these canonical plugins for say three or four years on a website, and it's decided for whatever reason that either they don't have the the uh, human resources to maintain it, or the the feature is is considered um, obsolete you know, what happens then? Can I continue to run that plugin or am I at a risk because um, it's no longer going to be maintained? Uh, is it going to break in a future version of WordPress? So I think, you know, whatever becomes a canonical plugin, there really has to be a long-term commitment to it. And otherwise, you know, it, it could be the same issue we've seen over and over again with third-party plugins that, you know, you may find something that you like it works for you, and then all of a sudden the developer disappears, or uh, it gets bought out by somebody else, and the feature set isn't quite as uh, good as it used to be. You know, you kind of run into that same problem. Mm. Okay, let, let's let's both of us not sit on the fence anymore. Let's decide. What do you think? Is it a yay or a nay for canonical plugins? <laughs> what do you reckon? I, I like it. I I I think they're you know as long as they're careful with what they decide to uh, make into a plugin, I think it's something that can benefit WordPress as a whole. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. I think I think the idea is really appealing to me. I, I confess at the beginning, I, I was really trying to sort of parse it and I couldn't, I couldn't work out what the difference between a canonical one and a regular one was. And then given a little bit of thought, I understood it more. However, given that I'm, I'm saying this is a good idea, I've got some little caveats there. And my first little caveat is that I, I like the idea of it being settings inside of a menu somewhere. That appeals to me more because you can imagine the inevitable arguments that are going to break out where something about a canonical plugin 
treads on the toes of a commercial plugin. And if it was in core or if it was appeared to be in core and it was just a setting, people wouldn't feel that conflict. But just the idea of labeling something as, I don't know, a preferred editor's choice, whatever it might be, I, I, I just think there's potential there for a rift to occur in the community. So, so there's that. And also... I think it should be heavily limited. You know, I think it needs to be scoped out from the beginning and constraints put on what a canonical plugin can do, but also what areas we want to stray in. You know, do we want anything to do with SEO? Do we want anything to do with custom fields? Do we want anything to do with importing and exporting post types and so on and so forth? What what are the five, six, ten maybe things that we we need and get those hammered out first and get the community agreeing on those so that the the people that are developing them feel that they've got the the wind behind their sails if you know what i mean yeah i i think you know with those caveats i i think that's it could be something successful i mean we, we've seen them do this in the past with with other things um i think the article mentioned the rest api actually started out as a plugin yeah yeah as, as did the block editor so i mean you know there, there's precedent for it and if they're you know cautious in the approach i think it could be very successful yeah i hope so too we'll have to revisit this topic eric in about three years time and uh <laughs> potentially nothing will have changed but uh it'd be nice to see where this has gone um eric if people want to reach out with you and have a little bit of a chat with you i don't know if you do the whole social thing um you know or broadcast your email address or whatever it might be but do you want to just give us a little bit of a hint as to where we can find you a website a twitter sure. handle something like that Sure. Uh, my website is karks.com. That's K-A-R-K-S.com. And from there, you can get links to uh, everything I'm writing and working on uh, these days and uh, also my social media accounts as well. That's a cool domain. I like that. It's just got a really nice sound, hasn't it? Karks.com. Yeah, I'm quite, quite jealous of that. <laughs> Eric, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Nathan. My pleasure. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that chat with Eric Karkovac. It was an absolute pleasure chatting to somebody that I've been meaning to get on the show for a very long time. I hope that was of interest. If you've got any thoughts on the podcast, well, head over to wpbuilds.com. Leave us a comment, search for episode number 302 and go right to the bottom and leave us a comment there. Alternatively, you can use our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. Or, as I said at the start, join our Mastodon install, wpbuilds.social, and you could leave us a comment over there too. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And our sincere thanks to GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, we will be back next week. It'll be David and I having a chat next week about WordPress Business Bootcamp, our ongoing series, which is kind of drawing to a close now. Don't forget, though, we'll be back on Monday for our This Week in WordPress show. It is live, 2 p.m. UK time. Find it at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Give us a comment or two there. It's lovely when people join in. And if we don't see you for any of that, we'll be back next week. Don't forget our Black Friday page. Go and check that out. We will see you soon. 
Stay safe. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>